This is the Horse Radio Network. Hi there. Again, this is Shauna Karish, and we're here with Episode 7 of the Equine Clicker 101 podcast on the Horse Radio Network. Today, our our show is called Hoofs, Feet, and the Farrier. So Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to the classroom to learn and practice clicker training with your horse. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. They are Jeffers Pet and Cavalier. This is Shauna Karish, and today's episode, we're going to work on really getting our horses to like and enjoy having their feet handled. And and so they're going to look forward to seeing the farrier as opposed to thinking, oh gosh, no, we're going to help horses, whether they have a history, whether they just don't know how to do it, or even sometimes they've had physical things and pain that we, we've now overcome and we need to change their emotions about it. So we're going to work on how do we get there? How do we change our horse's emotions about the farrier? All right. One of the things people ask me about all the time is where can I get clickers and side buckets or targets? So what you can do is go to my website there. It's a, that's a place where I have the things that I have used for decades now. So that is on target training. It's on dash target dash training.com. So just put those hyphens in there and that'll get you to the right on target training. Also for all of your other horse needs, you should go to Jeffers pet. So their website is full of great prices. It's a family run company and you'll be surprised how much stuff they have. You just keep going layer after layer after layer. So get to Jeffers pet for your other horsey needs. And welcome to the classroom. Okay, this is the lecture portion of our, our show today. And we're going to talk about, as I've already mentioned, feet. How do you get to handling your feet? How do you bring a horse who maybe doesn't know? How do you get the horse who maybe has issues? Maybe a horse who previously has had pain that has been cleared up, but they remember the pain. Or maybe you have a feral horse. Or maybe you just have had bad horse, or they may, you know, maybe your horse has had a bad experience with a farrier. Or, you know, it can be a whole slew of things. And sometimes the how and why isn't as important as what we're going to do to change it. But there is going to be one caveat that I say before every single behavior problem. You know, when we have a behavior problem, my first thing I want to do, the first thing I want to rule out is something physical happening. So let's say your horse has, you know, a sore foot. It doesn't mean we can't deal with it because sometimes we have to deal with our horses, even if they're not in a great place and we have to help, you know, they need medical intervention to get in a better place. But by and large, get that figured out. So if you have any behavior problem comes up suddenly, I want you to consider, is there something physical going on? That's my first thought. Because one, if it comes up out of the blue, something created this out of the blue. There's a reason they're doing it. They're not just going, I'm going to be bad today for the most part anyway. So what we want to do is I want them, I want you to be sure that you're kind of have checked out any physical problem. So talk to your farrier, talk to your vet, see what they can find out. And keep in mind, farriers and vets sometimes you know, you need second opinions. So, but, but talk to them and kind of figure out and see what you've noticed and see if you can't get to the bottom of a behavior change with feet and be sure that we're really working with somebody who doesn't have issues and isn't sore. And like I said, there might be a time where you have something that has to be treated and it, it does involve that there's going to be pain. Well, it's going to, it's going to kind of challenge your training because as we're trying to work on the positive reinforcement, we're working with endorphins and dopamines and things that makes their brain feel good. So they're like, I like this and I enjoy this. We're constantly might be working against something that is that has cortisol and things that make them feel uneasy because they're in pain. So we really want to get that diagnosed and figure that out. And if that's the case, I would recommend you know, send in a question to ask Shauna and we can talk about a specific kind of plan for that. But, but that's going to be an out of the box case. Most of the times it could have been a pain thing that now has been remedied and better. And now we're on our way, Uh, but we, but they remember the pain. They're like, I don't want to lift my leg because this used to hurt. They don't know that it's done and gone. So in, in any of those cases, whether they're have had a bad experience they are fearful of it. It is something they don't want to do, or there's been pain. We're going to be doing something called systematic desensitization 
and counter conditioning. I know it sounds like big old blah, blah words, but we're, we are in lecture time. You're in the classroom. And so those big old words, they're there for a reason because it really is, this is all based in science. I didn't make this up. So the systematic desensitization is a way of us getting to realize it doesn't hurt. It doesn't, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And we do that in a very slow, very attenuated, small steps, paying very close attention to all of their little body language. Are they tense? Are they uneasy? Is that, you know, do their lips get tight? Do their, does their nostril get tight? Does their, do their eyes change? Do their, does their head go higher? All of these things can tell us when they're uncomfortable. I mean, it just goes on and on all the little things that they're constantly communicating. And what's a challenge with traditional training or even natural horsemanship training? A lot of times there hasn't been a lot of focus on the smallest shift. That to me, I look at and I think, oh my gosh, it is, it's just the loudest and clearest communication, but we haven't, we don't really look at them at over threshold until they're, you know, they're, they're snorting and their head is three feet in the air. And then we're like, oh, something must be wrong. But frankly, that started way earlier than that. So we, if we can catch those subtle shifts in, you know, his lips got tense, his, his jaw got tense, his head is high, his foot stomped, his tail is up, his whatever it might be. Those are going to be communication, whether they're comfortable or not. And as much as possible, I want to stay at the step before I don't move to the next step until I feel like they're completely relaxed and comfortable. Now, as always, there are situations where you got to move ahead because, you know, you are treating a wound, you know, and you can't have them perfectly perfect you would like to, but you're kind of like, but I, we have to fix it more than anything. So there's our times when I'm kind of like, well, we're going to move forward and we're, but I try to really respect and listen to those pieces. Cause this is your way, your horse's way of telling you, you that I'm uncomfortable or I don't like this, or the situation is uncomfortable. So by paying close attention to that, we're going to be doing the systematic desensitization. And then the other part of this I said is the counter conditioning. So right now, so everything your horse does, think of it like a scale. So now you have one of those scales. It has two sides and you, and if something is really has heavy reinforcement on one side of the scale, say, I hate my feet being touched. I would rather kick than have my feet being touched. So kicking works for me because I get to keep people away from me and I, I don't find it reinforcing to stand still. I find it reinforcing to avoid this situation and I'll do whatever it takes. So there's a lot of weight on that side of the scale that is the behavior that we don't want to really see more of. But this other side of the scale is way up in the air. There's not very much weight on it. So it doesn't it doesn't register in our training equation. So what we're going to do every single time we get to reinforce the behavior we want to see more of, we just increase the likelihood of seeing that behavior repeated. So a lot of times it takes a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And those scales start shifting because now we're putting more weight on the other side of the scale. So we're starting to counter condition. We're starting to take something that has an unpleasant association and we're piling on things that have good association. This is also, um, this analogy for me also goes beyond just the counter conditioning. So we want to take it from unpleasant to it's going to go through a neutral phase and then we want to take it to literally a pleasant phase. So we don't want them just tolerating things and thinking, yeah, 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 I'll just do this unless I'm having a bad day. We want them actually going, hey, the farrier's here and wanting to come in and participate and be a part of these sessions. So it's up to us to figure out how can we get this to happen with the positive reinforcement it is not so hard to do. We get so much more cooperation and then we can turn that and take it even further into being something that they look forward to. And then when you have the time where your horse has an abscess or something horrible and they're in pain, a lot of times when they've really gotten to the point where they do and have enjoyed this behavior in the past, you have more resilience. You have a horse who says, yes, I know, but I have liked this in the past. Even though it hurts now, they'll stick through it a lot more and they will it, you you can get further when the times to get tough, but we're going to prepare them for those kind of situations by by really reinforcing it in, in the onset. So the other analogy I use like this, it's a scale. So counter conditioning is one, but this is another thing I use all the time. And you're going to hear me talk about it over and over and over again. And technically it's called, and this is one of the most 
you know, bewildering statements, you know, or phrases. It's called the differential reinforcement of an incompatible behavior. So basically what it's saying is I want to make the behavior I want to see more of be more reinforcing than the other behavior. And I can do this by choosing something that's incompatible. Like you can't stand on all fours and kick me. So what I'm going to do, I'm not going to focus on what I don't want. I'm going to focus on what I do want. And again, picture those scales. That horse, the, the horse is busy, the horse who pulls his foot away, the horse who kicks, the horse who rears, the horse who, you know, whatever they do, they have a lot of reinforcement on that side of the scale. It says, avoid this at all costs. I'm going to do all this other stuff because this has served me well. I've gotten out of this behavior that I think is so, or this situation that I find is so scary. By putting the positive reinforcement on the side of the scale for the right behavior, we start to change the balance. Because remember, everything our horse does is a choice. Everything they outside of reflexive behaviors, which are just, you know, they're startled and there's no thought, it's just startle. But really, they're making choices all the time. And they're going to choose the behavior with the strongest reinforcement history. So what we want to do is change the reinforcement history. So a horse who says, this was what works for me. I never look at them and think they're being bad. I just have to recognize to myself, you know what? This has worked for him. So as much as this may kill me, you know, or be quite dangerous to me or my knees, I have to recognize, but this has worked for him. And in fairness, when I look at a situation and I think, oh, it's just a jacket on the fence, it's just the farrier or whatever it might be, if they're showing me this kind of rather extreme behavior, I have to realize, you know what, it's there in their reality, this is actually quite a fearful situation. So I need to help change the emotions and, and being part of that. And there is a point that a horse who maybe in the beginning showed real fear and people kept pushing through. And then pretty soon they learn, you know what, if I do this first, I get out of it faster. So they're pushed to what might be considered aggressive behavior because they think this is how I have to survive. And then pretty soon it can become their go-to. So they don't even think about it. They just think kick first and ask questions later. Well, that can again seem like he's just being a brat, but really that behavior was learned and it was learned for a reason. So if you can really slow it down and think, okay, this is your reality. This is horrible for you. And, and I, it's up to me to help you adjust and be happy in this situation. So we can with a positive reinforcement. So as we start to think about, I want this new behavior of standing quietly, relaxed and calm to replace this busy, kicky, dancey, evasive, whatever it might be. It's a matter of putting reinforcement on this side of the scale. And so that we change the balance and pretty soon there's more reinforcement on the side of the scale that has this behavior that we like, the better behavior. So, and the behavior that technically is usually incompatible with the other behavior. Can't do both. You're going to have to make a choice and we're going to make this choice be the better choice for you. So I hope that makes sense to you. And I think it's really important to keep compassion when we're working with our horses. We can put our reasoning in there and think that's just dumb. That's nothing. But sometimes I stop and go, but you know what? It's his reality and it's really scary. So I have to respect that. I talk a lot of times about having boundaries, emotional boundaries, where sometimes I go, but you know what? I'm, you can do that all you want, but I'm going to go do something else. You know, so I don't correct them. I'll just think, well, I'll go on. I'll come back in a few minutes and see if you're ready to work again. But this, this is, I also want to respect their emotional boundaries. And this is one of those areas I think I need to take care of you. I need to be a good steward for you and be helping you to adapt to the world that I have chosen for you. Our horses didn't choose to be here. We chose this for them. So it's up to us to think, well, then how can I make this work for all of us where we can take care of you, but you can find this enjoyable and, and, and so on. And I'm going to add into this that this is also has a lot to do when we build the pieces, whether we're teaching them to do a spin or to touch a target or get on a pedestal, it can seem silly to us. Like, you know, I don't know, this doesn't make any sense or that they can seem like tricks. You know what? It's all tricks to the horse. There's a standing quietly for the farrier trick. There's the carry the human on the back trick. There's the get in that box and drive down the street trick. There's the, you know, stand quietly while they put this saddle on me trick. It's all tricks to them. It doesn't make any more sense than doing a bow, you know, but we kind of have put it in these categories where it does make sense. But the more we can teach them to do and volunteer for and choose to be a part of the stronger the training becomes, the stronger the association with us becomes, and the more resilience we get 
even in the really tough situations. So the more you do, the better your horse is going to be as a problem solver and an engaged horse who enjoys the training process. So I hope that all makes sense. And just try to think of the compassion, think of the behavior, focus on what you do want to see, not what you don't want to see. And this will help us to, instead of correcting, trying to set them up for success. So to that end, let's always remember how do we set our horses up for success? Well, this is a behavior. Now, if we're trying to teach them to canter, we want activity. But in this situation, we're trying to teach them to be quiet. So we want them to feel more quiet, more settled. So some of the things we can do in the early stages to help set a horse up for success for the for the farrier visit might be that you make sure he has exercise before the farrier gets there. Maybe not right before, because some horses keep their adrenaline up for a little bit, but you make sure he gets to go out and play with his friends or he gets to be in, you know, whatever can do to help him not be a, a wound up kind of ball of energy. Another thing that I think about is their place that they're more comfortable. Like here at Terra Nova, we had a horse um, recently and he was awful in the cross ties. He had a long history of being quite defensive about farriers and vets. And, and he just, all of it was, he just, he was a kick first and ask questions later on everything. And so we worked on it, we worked on it. And, and then he's good with us people doing the training. But when the farrier got there, he's like, oh, but no for you. Because his association now, we broke down the barriers. At first he would say, I don't want anything to do with any of you people. But we broke down the barriers and he got better about it. And he goes, okay, and we could do it in little bits. And first it's one person. And then we said, can we do it with two people? And, and try to get a little more involved. And then can we do it in the cross ties? Because we started in the stall where he didn't really think about the farrier and feet being such a predictable thing. So we built all that up and then that was all fine. And so then we said, okay, farrier, please come to the stall with us. We're not going to do his feet, but I want you to ask him for a foot and feed him and ask him for a foot and feed him and ask him for a foot and feed him until he pretty soon is going, I guess you're like these people, which I do like. And so we got to break it down by not going right back to the cross ties, which triggered all of his kind of tension and worry, but instead said, how about we do it someplace different? So consider that. And then it got to a point where he would go out in the track paddock with the other horses. He'd be out with five other horses and the farrier just started marching out to the track paddock and, and being in such a new place, he would just stand and let him pick his feet with the other horses around and he could, he could pick them up. He could trim his feet. There was not one single fight or defensiveness in the world. And so by changing all that and changing the emotions, we could kind of come in a side door till eventually we didn't need to do all those things that set him up for success. We could take him back to the cross ties. We could take him into, you know, normal situations. And he's like, I just like this. I don't know why I like it anymore. I just feel better about this. So think about what you can do to set him up for success. Are they better if their friend, if you have to bring them in from outside, are they better if their friend is in with them or does their friend make them more nervous? Are they better in the morning? Are they better in the evening? Or another thing that is also a really good tool for working with horses and their feet, especially young horses, is keep it short, you know, so do one foot and then put them back in the stall or the field or two feet and do somebody else for a little bit and then bring them back out or sit down and have a cup of tea <laughs> and then bring them back out and do the other feet. So it gives them a, a break from this kind of intense um, training environment. So. Okay, so this is, we kind of covered some things that can really help to set them up for success. But the really, the very most beginning part of this is I will look for the slightest, slightest step towards lifting their feet. And what do you think the slightest step towards lifting their feet would be? It'll be a weight shift. It, 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 the slightest thing, if I'm asking for the right foot and I see them slightly rock their weight to their left foot, I click that because that means they're preparing, you know, they're at least getting the weight off of that right front. So now perhaps I can lift it, you know, but I like the thought process of thinking I, I need to get the weight off of here. So I click and reinforce that until when I, then the next thing you start doing is I do that, that you see them shift over. I can't reinforce that a couple of times. And then next thing I do is I'll kind of tap lightly and I try to do the minimum I can do. I want this to really be a choice for them. And one of the things I found for horses that have had bad foot histories, whether it's pain or whether it was just a bad experience or misunderstanding that turned to scary, 
one of the best things you can do, you teach them to lift their foot. So they can work on lifting their own foot. They're in control of it. They don't feel like if I lift it, then it's trapped in their hands and I'm out of balance and I can't do it. And with young horses, frankly, balance is a really big issue. With older horses, balance can be a really big issue. So just asking them to lift their own foot and being able to hold it for a few seconds is a really good way to go. And then they get to learn and get core strength and balance and get those those pieces more organized, but they know they can put their foot down if they need to. And and that builds their confidence quite a bit. So the first thing I do is I don't ask for, I don't try to hold their foot. So I start asking and looking for them to lift their own foot. So I do what I try to tap a little bit. I don't want it to become aversive and like they have to do it or get them too stompy. But I think, what do I need to do to get you to lift your foot? If it's a green horse, it can it can be a little bit of a tap and wait and a tap and a wait and a tap and a wait because they really don't know. They're like, I don't know what you're doing. And so I kind of have to play around a little bit and think, does any of this help you get to this place? With a horse who has a history, a lot of times I'll try to pay attention to what the farrier does do. But, you know, there's different little tricks that people have used with different horses over the the you know, over history. I mean, some people, you know, start and they just tap the leg and the horse lifts the foot or some go down the tendon and kind of pinch, you know, right above their, their, their fetlock, you know? And so I kind of try and pay that. Some of them like twist, like kind of at the chestnut. So I try to tap those areas lightly and see if any of it seems to trigger anything till I can figure out how far do I have to go. So let's say the only way I can get an experienced horse to lift their foot is to go down and, you know, let's say I have to pinch right above the fetlock. So I go down, I go down and I try to give them clue. I'm coming down, I'm coming down, I'm coming down, coming down until I get down to that area. And then I might apply a little pressure if this has been their cue, but I don't hold it and I don't escalate it. I just ask for it. And if I see that rock off, I click that and say, you've got the right idea. So I'm trying to do as little as I can to get the response. But as they start getting the positive reinforcement for it, and there starts to be something in it for them, and we start to change the emotions that are part of this equation, pretty soon they do want to participate. Because what's in it typically for your horse to lift his foot? Not much. He gets his horse, horse, his foot held and and filed and manipulated and you know and things that may be a little startling. But by putting something in it for them, we've really changed the equation. So as we as we start getting that, I, the next thing I do is look for them. When I start tapping the leg, I tap and then I move down to whatever cue it has been. So that pretty soon my tap predicts that I'm going down. So pretty soon you can just tap the leg and they start to lift it. And then pretty soon you can just say leg and I don't even have to touch the leg and they'll lift it because now they want to lift it and they're part of it. So for the horse's experience, I will do that till I can figure out what can get them thinking along those lines. And then I go back to the, I'm looking first for the weight to rock away. And that happens next. I'm looking for that knee to bend. I don't even need it to lift. I just need it to soften. So when that knee joint softens and it bends slightly, I click that a few times. And then if I would rather do legs slower than too snappy, there's a point in there where they can get a little snappy and we have to slow it back down. But remember the whole point behind the clicker is you want to click on the action you want to see more of. So as they start bending their knee, I click on that and say, yes. And then pretty soon, a lot of times what happened, that bend will turn to a rested foot. And then we can go to, to lifting their foot. But as they start getting the idea, sometimes it starts being where they snatch their foot up. If I get too much energy in it, I start clicking as it starts softening and going back down. So at first I may be clicking on the up, but as I get too much up, remember, they repeat the behavior that gets on the click. As I start getting too much click, I start doing working on the the softening and going back down. So in the very beginning, like I said, I'm not trying to hold their foot. I want them to learn to lift their foot and then to hold their foot for a few seconds up in the air. And then I'll start supporting it lightly with two fingers so that they can feel like, okay, I feel the contact, but I can pull it away if I want to. When we start making this contact with them, now I can really feel the softening in their foot. So as I start to feel their foot with my two fingers, and you know, maybe it feels tense, but you can feel when they kind of go, 
well, I guess it's okay. And that moment I feel a little relaxation, that's what I want. That's what I click on. Because overall with my farrier, what do I want? I want him to stand calm and relaxed. My goal is to be able to pick up that foot and shake that foot and then being like, yep, who cares? Whatever. So I can manipulate that foot. I can pull it forward. I can pull it back. I can bend it. And they're like, whatever. I'm good. I don't really care. So I want to build to that. But what is behind all of that? is really relaxation. So while at first I need them to lift their foot, but I very quickly, once we've got that, I want them to relax their foot in my hand. So now I can have them knowing that they're can they're supporting their weight on their other feet. They're not trying to use that foot even up in the air for for support. And then it, it, this now lets me manipulate and move the foot. Okay, so that's with, with a horse who knows, like I said, you do have a cue in there somewhere. But the trick is sometimes that cue has such a bad association that it might be better to create a new cue altogether. You know, so if you go to a place and it creates defensiveness, let's say you go down to the fetlock and it creates defensiveness, then I wouldn't go there anymore. I would do it differently. I might just tap behind the knee and wait and tap behind the knee and wait until eventually they get the idea to lift it a little bit or to, you know, to shift the weight over and then to soften that knee and then to, to move on from there. Now with a green horse, they don't know what the heck you're doing. It's really the same process, but the mindset might not be quite so defensive or historical, but kind of like, I have no idea what you're doing. And oftentimes with a young horse, they have no clue about balance yet. You know, they haven't carried the weight of a person. They haven't learned to do these exercises that strengthen their core or strengthen their hind end or, you know, any of that. So a lot of times your balance is a little bit more of an episode with them. So teaching them to lift their legs. And I start oftentimes with the front legs because typically the front legs are easier for them to do. But there are some situations where the back legs are easier for a horse that maybe has history with the front legs. So, or maybe some sort of, you know, issue with the front legs, you know, they've had, you know, whatever it might be. So I tend to start with the front legs. I do get them so they know both of the legs and then move to the back legs. But sometimes I'll feel like, you know what? I feel like you're more confident in your back legs. I'm going to go there first and go to the front legs. Now the front legs are a little easier because they're not quite so, uh, they tend to go easier for them. They tend to be able to put their their weight on their rear ends a little bit easier. And it just seems to be an easier thing. And the foot doesn't quite have so many directions it can go. You know, it kind of goes forward and it might stomp and it might paw, but it's a little bit more predictable than your back feet. Back feet can come up and they can fire off to the side. You can get cow kicked and there's a lot more range of motion back there. And what I also find with the back feet is sometimes with the young horse who's learning to pick up their back feet, once they have their, they'll pick it up. And this is a kind of a nature of the positive reinforcement training. They tend to raise their own criteria because they're invested in the training. They're thinking, oh, if you like this, you might really like this. And they can give us more. And, and so in some situations, that's fantastic. In some situations, you're like, but okay, let's settle back down. Now, this can happen with the back feet particularly. So they're thinking, yay, and they pick their foot up really high. Well, once their foot, like think of their back foot particularly, is way up high, a lot of times they're like, well, what do I do with it from here? And they can kick out, not at you. It's just kind of when it's up, it's triggered and ready to go. So I really try to look for that relaxation in there. If I get the horse trying too hard, I kind of keep myself out of the range of their foot and I, I click as it relaxes or softens or gets back to the ground. Or sometimes like they'll pull it up at first and they might kick it out. And I say, well, that's not what I was looking for. So I'm not going to reinforce that. Let's try again. And they might pull it up, but you'll see them kind of slowly start to put it back down. Reinforce that one a lot because that's where you want to get to. So like with any situation, it can go all over the map. It can go one horse does it this way. One horse does it this way. They do it for the front feet like this, the back feet like this. But just remember, what am I looking for? You're not obligated to feed anything you don't like, to click or feed anything you don't like. Click on the behavior you want to see more of. But the key is try to find the smallest successive approximation, the smallest, tiniest building block towards that behavior. I find that this is a key. If we can think about that, just rocking the weight over, then just bending the knee ever so slightly and build on those little bits, it brings a lot of clarity to the horse because then we can click when they get it and they're like, oh, 
it's this. And so it gives them a real clue of what we're working towards and a real incentive for it. And in this process, now we can start to build good hormones and endorphins and things that make them feel good and happy about that situation. So I think that that is a good start. You know, you know, we're going to think of more as we go on, but we're just remember the smallest approximations, setting them up for success. Where can we do this? When can we do it? How can we get the best things? And then building on these small bits. And the other thing, remember, I've talked about this before. We want very short and sweet sessions. We don't want them long and drawn out. They can only retake in so much more, so much information. So drilling it just doesn't make it any fun. Keep it really short and sweet. And when I'm talking really short, I'm talking, hmm three, five minutes, your first sessions, and then giving them a pile of food, you know? So then they're like, wow, that was amazing. That was easy. And I got it right. I can't wait to do that again. So we may start with these things that we do to set them up for success, but eventually we should be able to fade those things and do their feet anytime, anywhere, any place, any person boldly coming in. But in the beginning, we want to set them up for success. And as we build that stronger association, those little pieces can fall away because now they like it. They know what to do and they are involved in the, the, in the training. Located in Dothan, Alabama, Jeffers was founded in 1975 by Dr. Keith Jeffers in order to provide local livestock owners with a reliable and more cost-efficient source for their supplies. Fast forward 40 plus years and today, Jeffers has become a trusted source for equine, pet, and livestock supplies all across the United States, but they've not lost sight of the personal service that got them started all those years ago. You can still visit the Jeffers store in Dothan, or you can shop online at jefferspet.com, where you will find an astounding array of products for your equine habit, from quality tack, English and Western, to the supplies and healthcare products that you have come to depend on, as well as new and innovative lines to help your horse be his or her best. Visit them today at jefferspet.com. And that completes our portion of the lecture, the classroom time, and where I talk about what we're going to do. Of course, I talk a lot, so we're going to have more talking, <laughs> but now we're going to go from the learning by listening for the learning and doing. So we're going to go to our lab time. So this is what we need you to do. I need you to turn off your, um, your podcast in just a minute. I want you to get your equipment, so your clicker, your your side bucket, your target, whatever you want to do to get started and make sure you have plenty of food, uh, food that's friendly with your horse's diet. And then we want to get your horse to a great place. So it's someplace that's safe, obviously, and someplace where you think you're going to set them up for success. So get your horse to that place where you're going to do your first session, working towards the feet, where you think he'll be more relaxed. And then you're going to turn your podcast back on and we're going to continue with the lab portion. So, see you in a minute. And welcome back. And so now, who I have with me here today is Dylan. And Dylan is a horse who's been a school horse, but he's has... He kind of has some funny back feet, and when he's had a hard time picking up his back feet for quite a while. So in Dylan's case, um, I think he has had some pain issues at some point along the way, and so he has to kind of learn that it's safe again. And so sometimes what can happen is it's not maybe the foot that is the problem foot. Sometimes it is the problem foot because that foot itself hurts. Sometimes it's the other foot because now they have to bear weight on his weird club foot so so sometimes the it's harder standing on a foot sometimes they're protective of the foot they're lifting so it couldn't go either way so he's going to be my horse for today so i'm going to go in the first thing i'm going to do is remind him that we're doing one of these fun sessions so i'm going to go in okay i'm about ready to go in and i have my side bucket full of treats and i have my clicker and i'm bringing a target with me i'm just going to put it in my waist of my my belt for my side bucket so that i don't you have to use it the whole time but in the very beginning i'm going to use it to remind him that we're doing our favorite things 
So I want to kind of get him in the mood. And it, essentially, I'm asking him, are you ready to do a session with me? So he can say, yes, I am doing a session and we'll move from there. So I'm going to enter right now. We're going in. Hey, Dylan. Okay. So first thing I'm doing, I'm going to stand right beside him and ask for him to turn his head away, which he knows from his previous exercises. Perfect. And I click and feed over where I want his head to be and just kind of remind him. What I'm also doing in this part, this early exercise is something I built in a lot of relaxation with. So I want him to think, just settle and relax. Keep my head away. It's clear. I'm giving him some big handfuls, actually. So he feels a little satiated and not too eager or overexcited. Okay, so I did a couple of those, and that's great. And I'm going to walk around just a little bit. I'm in his stall, so we're doing this in his stall. So I'm going to walk around just a little bit and then stop, turn his head away again. Great. I'm clicking and feeding. It's when I see him settle just a little bit, you know, like turns his head away a little bit. And then I'm looking for him to kind of go, oh, yeah, just stand here. And clicking at that. Okay, now I'm going to introduce the target again. He knows the target, but I'm asking him, reaching it down. Good. So I reach it kind of down off to the far side and clicked and fed him. And clicked and fed. Okay, perfect. So now I'm putting my target back in my waist. And I'm going to get on to the feet with him. So I kind of have set the tone. He knows we're doing one of our fun sessions. We're playing the game that he by now likes to play. So what I'm going to do, his problem is his back right foot is his main problem. So for most people, I'm going to suggest you start on a front foot. But for him, I'm going to start on his back feet because he has a more specific problem that I'm working on. So if you're working with most horses, I'd say most of you out there should probably start with your front feet. So I'm going to go up to his back foot. Now he's a little protective of them. He does not want you to hold him, to hold them. He is very protective. So I'm just going to go back to the earliest stages. And I'm, while you might be touching at the knees and stuff, because you're on the front leg, I'm dealing more with the hocks, you know, and the, the back foot. So I'm touching kind of above this thing. Hey, Dylan. Can I have your leg? Click. Okay, good. Now, what he did, he didn't lift his leg, but you could see him kind of shift over like I talked about earlier. The first thing is that little slightest shift. It's not always very big. So he just looked for that slight little shift, and I said, yes, you're on the right track. This is really important with somebody who is going to be defensive like Dylan. Okay, so that was great. So I'm going to ask him. So I fed him. And in this situation, when I go, when I went to feed him, I went to feed him. I want him to think, I stay put, she'll come to me. Because in this thing, I don't, in this exercise, I don't want him thinking, this is about staying still. Now, luckily, we've worked the stay with Dylan. So, and, and you probably have worked that with your horse too, if you've kind of followed the podcast. And if not, it's a, it's a great exercise to go back to. But so I, I've worked on his stand so I know that he can stay there so I clicked and came up and fed him I want him to think about staying put relaxing not swinging his butt out trying to come to get his head to me so I went up and fed him so as soon as I clicked I kind of made a I dug my hand in the bucket and made a big effort to let him know I'm coming to you okay so I'm going to try it again hey Dylan have your leg leg So what he did, he gave me just a little bit of starting to lift it. It is apprehensive for him. So I think he was, so it's a little slower, but he actually bent his little, brought his little foot to his tiptoe kind of, you know, so it was off the ground a little bit. And then I went up and fed him again before he, he started to move his back end just a little bit because I think his feet were starting to move, but I didn't care. I just went up and fed him where I want his head to be anyway. And so he kind of gets that idea. So that was good. Now... Now, because Dylan knows his his feet, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go to a front foot. So, because that he'll lift quite nicely. So, I'm going to go to an easier foot. I'm going to go to his other few feet and get him the idea of this a little bit. His other back foot isn't quite as 
nice as his front feet. But I'm going to go to something that's a little bit easier and a little more successful. So keep in mind when we go to things that can be stressful or unknown, and sometimes unknown is stressful for horses, particularly if that horse has had a history of being corrected if they didn't get the right answer. They can be quite sensitive to not knowing the answer. But if you have a young horse who just doesn't know, he's like, I don't know. I want to do it, but I don't know. So kind of remember, there can be inherent stress in learning. So I want to keep this kind of bring the energy back down. So knowing that Dylan is defensive about his back feet, I'm going to go to his front feet, which are easy and have a better history. And I can reinforce him for that, but I'm taking the pressure off, the, the emotional or psychological pressure off for a minute. So I'm going to go up to his front foot. Hey, Dilly. I have your leg. Good. So I clicked and fed that. That's great. And this is easy to feed him where I want his head to be because um, I'm already there. <laughs> That's perfect. I'm going to ask again. And this I'm going to look for a little bit of duration with lifting that foot. Since this is kind of easier for him, I can get him the idea. But I'm still not holding the foot. I want him to get in this early lesson. I want to learn this is about him lifting his foot, not about me holding his foot. So he feels the control of that back foot and doesn't feel worried about it. Okay, Dylan, grab your foot. Perfect. And so he's just, good, there. And he, he kind of, he started to put it down for a second, you know, so he lifted it up and thought, I got it. He started to put it down, but I tapped again. See, when I kind of even start to bend over, I kind of started tapping up higher on his leg. And as I got a little bit below his knee, he, he lifted his knee. Uh, he lifted his foot. So he got that. So he, so I kind of stayed there a little bit and he started to put it back down, but I tapped again and said, hey, and he, he lifted it back up. So I clicked the moment he thought about bringing it back up because this is the beginning of getting that duration that he can kind of, I reminded him, no, no, we're still doing this. So he can get the idea holding it. So that was great. So I'm going to do another one on this side. Hey, Dylan, can I have your leg? Good, perfect. And so I just kind of held really still and held my position. So he held it just a skosh longer than he did the first time. So that was great. So I've read him, um, so I've fed him a few good handfuls on this side. We're going to go to the other front and do repeat this behavior. Again, we're taking, you know what? I'm going to change that. What I'm going to do is now go back to the back foot. I'm still on the right side. So I'm going to go back to the back foot. So now we've gone to something easier. We're going to go back to the little bit more challenging. And then we can back, go back over to the left front foot to make it kind of give him a little break from the more challenging one. Okay. So, and a reminder, it, Dylan has a particular foot that's a problem. It's not, for a lot of horses, it's all the feet. But he has a particular issue. Okay. Hey, Dylan, back here. So I'm back, going back to his back right hind. And Dylan, have your foot. Good. So he lifted his foot just a little bit off the ground. And so I clicked and fed that. It was not snappy, but it was more energetic than the last time. I don't know if that's good or bad yet. You know what I mean? That could be that it, it stays in a kind of calm place. And it's just more enthusiastic. It could be that's a little more defensive. I don't necessarily know yet, but I'm going to reinforce it quite a bit. And we're going to try it again. Hey, Dylan, have your leg. Good. Now, see, he snapped it up a little bit, but I waited till he's kind of started. He softened just a little bit. So I'm going to leave this foot for a minute. So I went up and I clicked and reinforced him for that. So now I'm going to go back. I'm going to go to the foot on the other hind foot. So now there's, now keep in mind, I'm kind of jumping from foot to foot. I'm kind of going a little harder, a little easier, a little harder, a little easier. It doesn't mean that what I do is exactly what you need to do for your horse. And it's not exactly what I might do for another horse. So I'm kind of making these judgment calls as I go throughout the session. But training is not linear. So you kind of need to read things a little bit. And the more you do with the horse, your horse, or any horse really, the more you'll start to kind of think, you know what, I think this is where we are. I think this is what we need to do. But as I see his a little bit, when I do his back foot, I can tell his, he's a little bit more tense. His head is just a skosh higher when I'm back there. And I, you can see his jaw is just a little tighter. Now, now not ridiculously so, but you could tell it's not. He's like, you're back in that region. When on the front, he seems much more relaxed. So I'm, I am taking him up, you know, approaching threshold, his fear threshold, his worry threshold. 
but then I want to come back and let it back down. So as we did this back one a little bit, I'm going to leave that and going to go the other back one, which isn't great, but it's not as bad as this one. So I'm going behind him. All right, Dylan, back here. Okay, so now I'm to the other side. And I'm going to start as high as I can to see where I can do, make my cue as subtle as possible. But I'll figure out how far do I need to go and I'll work on fading it as time goes on to, to be more subtle. Dylan, hey, can I have your leg? So I started high and I'm going down lower again. Okay, good. He lifted his leg, click and reinforce. And he lifted that one kind of high and a little normal. And I'll tell you, in the beginning when we're not holding their leg, they don't exactly know what to do with that for the horse that's used to having his feet held. So he picks it up and then he kind of puts it back down. He's not sure what that was, but that's okay. And then so I clicked and I went up and fed him. So feed him where I want his head to be. Let's try it again. Dylan, have your leg. And this time he picked it up just as I got to his hawk area. So I clicked it right away. I didn't wait for any duration or anything. I just want, I like that he responded to a little bit less cue and he's paying a little bit more attention. And to me, that feels like he's more engaged in what I'm doing and trying to figure out the game, which is really an important element. Okay. So now I'm going to look for maybe a little bit more duration. Good boy, Dylan. Can I have your leg? Good leg. Excellent. So it's kind of right about the hawk still that I just touched again. And he lifted it. He started to settle. And I asked again. And he lifted it back up. I'm going to feed that one. And then I'm going to go back to the problem foot. So I'm walking around the front. This time. You know, I'm going to stop on my way and ask for his other front, his left front that I haven't asked for yet. Dylan, can I have your leg? So I start higher. Good. And and for that one, I kind of had to go down towards his fetlock a bit, but he got it. So, you know, he sorted that out. So I clicked and fed him for that. And then let's ask again. Dylan, have your leg. So that was good. So you can tell he's really listening. He list, he lifted at that time and he kept it up for a skosh longer. So I don't wait till he puts it down to click. I'm still clicking when I feel like it's up in the air. If he puts it down before I ask, I'm going to ask him to lift it again. Unless I'm looking for that softening on the, on the release, on the way back down. So at this point in the game, I'm trying to get him to respond to my cue. So I'm looking for him to bring his foot up. So I'm more about the up right now. And then... I'm, and, and so I want that cue to be less and less so that soon I can just point there and he goes there. He's with me and I'm not having to go to kind of his older, uh, more mm, elaborate cues. They're not elaborate, but more uh, obvious cues or historical cues. So that's kind of what I'm looking for there. But remember, you can get to a point where it is all very snatching up and I shift my clicks to being back down. So with any behavior, we have a tendency to go it goes, it's brand new, and it can go too far the other way. So horse who we're working on going forward, at some point we have to work on their downward transition. Horse we're working on downward transition, at some point we start going, but I still need your upward transition. So there's always another side to everything we train. So sometimes as we go through this, I'm going to, as I get him lifting it nicely, I will shift to going back down. Okay, so we're going to go, so he's done all of his legs a little bit. The... Uh, and, and I feel like what, where I've really made the change here more than anything is <clears throat> I feel like Dylan looks more or less defensive, you know? So he looks like more like, I think I might like this as opposed to, oh my gosh, what are you doing with my foot? So I want to end on, this, on the tougher foot if I can. So as I've taken him to the tougher foot and it's gotten a little bit more tense, but then we do the other one. When I came back to the foot last time, it was a little bit more relaxed. So we're going to see if I can go back to it this time and have him more relaxed. Okay. Hey, Dylan. So I just patted. I'm patting him on the rear end. I'm going to click and reinforce that. 
That's good. So I went up and fed him. Okay. Dylan, you ready? Okay. Leg. Good. Good. Perfect. So there he kind of picked it up. It doesn't look tense. It looks a little apprehensive. But then as he started to put it back down, just ask him to bring it back up. And he did. And I clicked and I reinforced and I'm giving him a jackpot. So I'm going to leave the session there. I just want him to have enough to go, well, that wasn't so bad. So here you go, bub. Here you go. So I have a bucket up here that um, it, it, I brought in because it's right outside. Their buckets at our stalls tend to be outside, so we bring them in. So, and I poured him, I probably put uh, like half of my bucket was still left. So it's probably like a pound of pellets he has right now. <laughs> I mean, so I really make it reinforcing. So part of the thing I wanted him to learn there is one, in this, these sessions when there's worry involved, one of the biggest things that you can do, one of the biggest moments of learning in these sessions is when we walk away and it didn't turn to the ugly thing that they were fearful of. So for those of you that are starting brand new horses that, that just don't know, and if they're, and for some, this is very scary for brand new horses. For some horses, they're like, I just don't know. So it may not have a scary component. For some horses who do have a history, um, and sometimes we don't know what their history is. So it can seem like, yeah, you're just green. And then they're, they lose a the noodle over the whole thing. But so in this situation, when I walk away from this and Dylan ends up having a good experience, that is a huge learning thing. So oftentimes when we have behaviors that cause um, issues for them or make them worried, what they have with them is it becomes like a predictor. You know, so I start asking for the feet and Dylan, who has a history with this, starts thinking, oh, I know what this looks like. So what people would hold on to his foot and he would kind of fight and want it back because he was worried about it, whether it's pain, whether it's balance, whatever it was, um, he would have an issue with it. And we know that that issue is as gone as it's going to get. So what I can do is just by saying, look, I didn't even try to hold it once. And here's a bunch of food for it. And he thinks, well, that didn't get to that place that I thought. That was actually kind of good. And I got reinforced a lot for it. So now we start to put weight on the other side of the scale. And he starts going, well, I could do that again. That was okay. So my next couple sessions, I'm not going to do much more than that. So anyway, so, all right, now that we're done with this session, your horse should be eating their jackpot. Hopefully it ended on a good note for you and you got to some progress and it made sense to you. So your horse should be eating the jackpot. We're finishing up our session. So what I want you to do is make sure you get your horse back to a good place, whether you did it in his stall or his field or whatever, get your horse back home and put your stuff away and kind of finish up what you need to do with the barn for a few minutes and Turn off your podcast and meet me back inside and we'll get to a little wrap up and homework. All right, you guys, we have a new sponsor, and it's an a sponsor that I'm really excited about. It's Cavalor. Cavalor is a horse feed supplement and care product company that was founded in Belgium 30 years ago, and they have been producing feed for the U.S. market since 2012. Its nutrition is based in the way horses are meant to eat. Cavalor's philosophy is based around mimicking the horse's natural diet and how they would eat in the wild while recognizing that the demands we put on them today are different than wild horses of long ago. One of the things I love about Cavalor is that their products are natural, backed by research and science, and are proven to be effective. That's why Cavalor was a feat of choice for over 100 riders in the most recent World Equestrian Games, for riders in every discipline and from countries around the world. Not only do they make feed, but they also have a complete line of supplements and care products. If you've struggled with any kind of nutritional issue with your horse, you know that all products don't really work as advertised. So that's why Cavalors is unique. Their products don't make it to the market until they have been proven effective in making noticeable differences in the issue a horse is facing.
A lot of times we have behavioral issues with horses, but a lot of these issues actually have a nutritional root. With the positive reinforcement or clicker training, we strive to help the horses to be truly happy. To me, part of that, that philosophy, well, really a big part of that philosophy includes making sure I'm doing everything I can to ensure their emotional as well as physical well-being. There's no denying that a good diet is a huge factor in that equation. The best part is Cavalier's team is so easy to work with. You can reach out to them through their website or Facebook page and a real life person will call you back to personally talk you through your horse's nutritional needs. Learn more about their products at www.cavalier.us or reach out to them through their Facebook page, Cavalier North America. I tell you, you'll be glad you did. Okay, now back to our show. Okay, time for your homework. All righty. So, of course, that could have gone a lot of different ways for different people. And there's a lot of different scenarios and different parts and different things that, that you know, you may have experienced. But in a nutshell, keep remembering you want to help set them up for success and you want to make little tiny progress. You want to celebrate the tiny successes you do get, no matter what that looks like. And some days it's going to be big stuff and some days it's going to be little tiny stuff. Focus on what went right. So, your horse may not have had issues so much. It just may have been a strange process. I was dealing with Dylan, which kind of has some issues with the, the process. And then what I just wanted to do is get him kind of on the right track and get little things. So remember, these are little baby exercises. So what we're going to do is we're going to build on, I'm going to build on him lifting his foot and holding his foot. So in the next couple weeks, between now and our next um, our next podcast, I want you to work on getting duration and then getting where you can handle the foot. So, and at first in the very beginning, like I said, I use two fingers to kind of support the foot. And if that goes good and I can kind of move it up and down a little bit and you can feel when it gets softened, I click and reinforce that, you know, and for some horses, this is going to go simply and seamlessly into the next step. For some horses though, as soon as you do that, you may really lose it. They may really lose it, like lose their confidence and get fearful. And that's okay. Just take a second. Don't get greedy trainer syndrome where we just want too much and we see the end. Just say, hey, the second you relax a little bit, I'm going to let go and I'm going to feed you. You have two reinforcers there you're working on. One, you have positive reinforcement. But if there, if it did go to an aversive place, you also have a chance to go, that's all I needed. Look, I'm going to stop. That's all there was to it. So by simply saying that's all there is to it, you have a way of reinforcing them by taking even the ask out of the question, you know, so I make mental notes along the way. And, and sometimes I go somewhere and I think maybe that was too much and I need to go back to a little bit less or a little bit lighter and do that. Who cares? That's as long as it takes is as long as it takes. So if they need to take longer than like, let's say you and your friend are both doing it and your friend's horse flies through it and your horse takes forever. It doesn't matter. It's just what it is. I don't, don't ever compare yourself to what it should be or what your agenda is. Take your agenda off the table and just go as long as what your horse is telling you. Remember your horse gives you all the information you need. If you can pay attention to that tension and the body language and the things they're telling you, you're going to think that's too much for you. It's just a little too much, but it's too much still. So go slow. Slower is better than too fast. And as you, as you want to, like I said, I went to other feet because Dylan was better about his other feet. So those are things that are more comfortable for him. What you can do as opposed to going to other feet, because if your horse doesn't know any of it, no foot's better than the other necessarily. Go do some targeting. Do a little bit of liberty leading in the paddock or the stall. Um, you can do the stop, turn your head away. You can go to stationary targets. So you can break it up with some other fun well-established behaviors that kind of take the pressure off for a minute. And then you go back and work the other ones. You can work this two, three, four times a day. Just put a little bit of gap in between so they have time to process. Let that latent learning take effect where they just kind of get to process and, and we punctuate it with that positive reinforcement. And remember, slow down and you'll go faster. So that's what I want you to do. It's going to look a little different for everybody, but our goal is to eventually get more handling but calm relaxation is really a part of it. And remember, frozen and still 
is not calm and relaxed. So just standing still doesn't mean that your horse is in a mentally relaxed place, but you can feel that tension in that foot. You can feel when he kind of goes, okay. And there's a little bit of a softening there and you can feel those moments. And if you have a horse, it tends to be very heavy on your hand. You know, those horses that you pick up the front foot and you're like, what am I holding? Your big draft head? (laughs) In that situation, I'll look for them to kind of balance themselves back out and make that a lighter touch. But more often than not, it tends to be the the tension versus the the heaviness. So there's a lot of different little parts that you're going to work on. And just remember your big goal, but celebrate the little successes along the way. And don't get the greedy trainer syndrome and you're going to get there. And it could be that we meet back in a couple of weeks and you're still working on it. Doesn't mean it's going to be wrapped up in a couple of weeks, but it gives you kind of something to work on. If you have questions, you can go to that Ask Shauna page and I can, I'll try to get answering some uh, questions for people, but I don't always get to them and get them posted right away. But it's just another another place to another resource. So I hope that helps you out. I hope that kind of resolves some things. Remember to kind of keep shampoo, rinse, and repeat. You practice this and and the the repetition and training is not linear. It doesn't go better, 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 better. Sometimes it goes better, 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 boop, bad day, better, 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 bad day. That doesn't matter. Just if you need to take steps back, go fine. We're back to the very beginning and that's all right with me because they're just, they're they're telling you they're maybe not quite ready. Anyway, so you can listen on most of your favorite podcast players. You can also listen on the Horse Radio Network app, which is a great way to listen. It makes it really simple. And you can use that on your iPhone or your Android. So it's on, you know, all the different types. Um, just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and it's easy to use. And be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. All right. Next time, we're going to talk about teaching your horse to be touched all over. That can be trickier than you think. Okay, till next time, enjoy getting your horse on target. Bye.